Can we stand where we are for a second? You stay there, mate. Do you know Twinkle Twinkle Little Star? Yeah, you start playing that. Or something. No, actually, don't do that. Play something different. Play what you were playing for Pastor Paul, because that was nice. We're going to pray together. You know, the thing with it is, church, is this, is that um, I believe that where two or three are gathered, God is. Oh, just me then. I, 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 I preach better when I get a response from people. So even if you don't like me this morning, tell me that and go, you're rubbish, mate. And that will still encourage me. So I believe that where two or three are gathered, God says he will be there. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So that means that when we begin to worship God, that actually God comes into the midst and he actually can begin to do something. Yeah? So I want you to do something this morning with me. And I don't know whether you've done this before. You may never, ever have done this before. But in a minute, I want us to begin to pray. You see, the thing with it is, is that God will speak this morning. He will. I believe with faith that actually when the word of God is spoken, the Bible also says that his word never, ever returns to him void. That it always goes out and accomplishes what it's set out to do. So when we actually, pre- when we actually begin to preach and we speak God's word, God begins to speak. But it's actually whether we have an ear to hear what God is saying. Because God will speak. So this morning, I believe that we want to have ears to hear what God wants to say. We want this morning for God to come down and for something to happen in this midst, this meeting this morning, where actually me and you can go out of those doors there changed by the power of God. Yeah? That's what we want. So in a minute, well, less than a minute now, because I've been talking for a minute. In about 10 seconds, we're going to say, God, speak to me this morning. Let me have an ear to hear what you want to say. And with one voice, maybe you've never prayed out loud before, but with one voice begin to say, God, speak to me. Let me hear your voice speak to not just the intellect of the man, but speak to the spirit of the man. Speak to the innermost part of me that I might get something from you this morning, not because there's a nice guy up there that looks a little bit like Harry Hill, I know what you're thinking, but because God wants to speak. Are you ready? One, two, three. Begin to pray. Come on. Let's fill this place with an atmosphere of faith. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning that we get an opportunity to come together and to worship you. Father, we thank you this morning that we get an opportunity to come to Breathe City Church here in Stoke where actually a group of people dare to believe that you can do something. So Father, we pray that God, that this won't just be any meeting, but God, it will be an extraordinary meeting where you can break in and you will speak to people's hearts. Let no man, let no woman, let no child go out of here the same as what they came in, but let everybody get something from you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. Come on. Fantastic. God's worthy of praise. Just me then. God is worthy of praise this morning. He is worthy of praise. I don't care what situation you are in or what circumstance you might find yourself in. And I know that sounds a little bit harsh, so please forgive me. I'm from the Wirral. And I support Liverpool. Greatest team on earth. Thank you, Jesus. But let me tell you this. Is that even in our darkest days, God still deserves praise. Even when stuff isn't going right, even when the bank balance doesn't add up, 
Even when relationships might be strained, he still deserves praise. So this morning, let us have an attitude of, God, I want to praise you this morning. I want to thank you. You know, I, I get to travel quite a bit these days. And, uh, and I have a lady in my church. Actually, I was talking about her before to you. And she's from Nigeria. And when she's just come back from Nigeria and her brother was seriously, he had petrol poured on him and set a fire. Why? Because he's a Christian. And over there, they can't meet together in church like we can for fear of getting bombed and blown up. Let me tell you, it is an incredible privilege to be in church this morning. There are hundreds, if not millions of people around the world that at the moment cannot do what you are doing. This is an incredible opportunity. So what we need to do is, in particularly in the Western culture, we need to grab it with both hands and actually enjoy it, actually get excited about it and know that actually that this here is the hope of the world. This here is the hope of the world. That you, you and me are the answer to what is going on out there. But do we really believe it? I don't know whether we do. You know, we can sing songs that we, like we were singing before. But do we actually mean what we're saying? God, we're going to give all our, cast our cares onto you because you care for us. We're not going to stop looking back, but we're going to look forward. I believe this morning that God wants to break some of that and see God do something incredible in this place. Amen? Hey, before you sit down, turn to somebody and say, hey, that was quite good, wasn't it? Thanks, buddy. Bless you. Fantastic. Well, it's a real honor and a delight to be with you this morning. And uh, I, I didn't, I, I don't know whether I did. No, I came on a recommendation from God bless him, Pastor Nick Tasarkis. My goodness me. He's a great man and a very good friend of mine. What I want to do is this morning is, is that we're going to look, we're going to um, come around the word of God in a minute, but just to kind of give you a little bit of background because some of you probably don't know who I am. Um, my name is Aaron. Hi. I have one wife and that's always a good thing, isn't it? You come to church and the preacher gets up and goes, actually, I've got four wives. And you're like, oh, really? <laughs> um, I've got one wife and her name is Rachel and I have one son and his name is Ezekiel and everyone calls him Zeke. Uh, and uh, he's, his middle name is John, Ezekiel John, named after my dad. Um, his other granddad is called Alan, uh, and it would have been a bit contentious if we called him Ezekiel Alan, because it just doesn't fit, does it? Sounds stupid. And he'd have been bullied at school for being called Ezekiel. Don't be called Alan in here, is there? Thank you, Jesus. Um, well, you've got to check, you forget. And, um, and um, so, um, so, yes, so he's called Ezekiel John. And we have one dog, and his name is Buster. And just to get it off, your, off my chest, I hate him, okay? I know, I know, I know you're not supposed to. I do. I just, I just, I just hate him. Uh, he destroys my house. He stinks. And he generally just, he, I just don't like him. Um, and, uh, but but my, my, my wife thinks it's her second son, and my son thinks that it's his brother, which is a bit weird, uh, and I'm there, and I'm going, this don't add up somehow, but, uh, but uh, I, I, I love Buster uh, in the sense of, you know, when he goes to be with Jesus. Good. Well, I've got to be honest with you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I could go on. We're going to come around the word of God. You know, um, as Paul said before, I've preached this message before, and it's become something of a life message 
for me. I've, I've kind of had the opportunity and the privilege and the honor to preach it in many different churches around the world. Um, and it's something that God spoke to me two years ago now. I only shared it with my church um, last year, at the beginning of last year. And it's a, a, a message entitled Outrageous. And what I want to do is, is that just for the next few minutes, I want to kind of challenge us all on this whole thing of being outrageous. You see, the word outrageous means this. It means to be unconventional. It means to be extraordinary. It means to be beyond all reason. It means to be extravagant. That's what the word outrageous means. Outrageous does not mean weird. Outrageous does not mean, you know, sometimes we think about outrageous that it has to be weird. It doesn't mean weird. It means something that goes beyond. It's something that that doesn't actually add up. It's something that, that is incredible. And actually, when we begin to look at the Bible, you know, the Bible is full of outrageous stories. It's full of outrageous accounts where what has happened is, is that God breaks into certain situations and he makes it outrageous. You only have to look at Moses and the burning bush. That's weird. Oh, just me then. I'm glad you like in, in Stoke, you must have that all the time. That bushes just come alive and God begins to speak through the bush. Oh, here I am. Take my feet, take my sandals off because I'm on holy ground. It don't happen. It's weird. But God broke in in that particular moment and it was an outrageous moment. It was something of extravagance of God's beauty. It was something that went beyond all reason. It was something that didn't add up. But in the middle of it, God was in it. It was an outrageous account. You know, I'm also reminded about when Jesus was there and, and, and he's, he's, he's kind of with all his mates, his disciples. And a guy comes up to him who is blind. And Jesus does something that you're never taught at Bible college. You're never taught in any leadership seminars anywhere in the world. Jesus looks at this blind guy and goes, (coughs) and he spits on the floor. And then he creates this mud stroke clay and he basically rubs it into this guy's eyes and says, You're healed. That's weird. It's not just me, that's weird. But it was outrageous. It was something that went beyond all reason. It was actually a moment of extravagance. It was something that was slightly weird, but in the middle of it, God did something outrageous. You see, the guy's eyes were healed through holy spit, ladies and gentlemen. If we were to have an appeal in a minute, and I was... (laughs) And we call people down to the front that have got something wrong with them. And I basically come up to you and spit in your face and smear it around your face a bit. And I go, in the name of Jesus, be healed. You lot would kick me out of here and I'd never be allowed back here anyway. Forget insulting anybody. By the way, hasn't Rob Pitts done well with his wife? (laughs) They say that love is blind. Now, I believe that's true. You only look, Becky's gorgeous. And Rob is, well, Rob's Rob, isn't he? Oh, it's all right, I can say it. I haven't started yet on somebody else. Just got to look around the room. You, my friend, have got an incredible head of hair. I wish I had hair. No, not you behind him. You, your hair's rubbish. It's his hair there. His hair's amazing. 
And the lady over there, you have got the best hair I've ever seen in my entire life. And I love you. If only I could have hair like that. That is incredible. Thank you, Jesus. Outrageous. It was just, it, it, the Bible is full of outrageous accounts. And what I want to do this morning is just give you five reasons or five things that actually will help us live an outrageous life. You see, I believe that God has called each one of us to be outrageous people. I believe that God has called you and me to live a life that is above the average, the Bible says. But something that is actually extravagant. Something that, that leads beyond all reason. And we need to have the, the, the spirit of an outrageous Christian that lives within each one of us. It doesn't mean that we're weird. It doesn't mean that we stand 10 foot tall and we have our head in the clouds and we're bashing everybody around the head with the Bible. What it does mean is, is that we live naturally supernatural lives where at any given moment God can break in and something good can happen. Amen? So what I want to do is, is that I just want to give you kind of five points really, really quickly that why we should live outrageous lives. Number one is this. It will come up on the screen behind you is that outrageous people have a story to tell. Outrageous people have a story to tell. In Revelation chapter 12, we have this whole account, and the Bible says this, is that you shall defeat him, that's the devil, by the power of the blood, which is Jesus' blood, him dying on the cross, but also it says the word of your testimony. Let me tell you this, church, is that too many Christians have lost their voice. Too many Christians have lost what it is to have the power of a testimony. Did you know that, let me tell you, if you are a Christian here this morning, God has done something incredible in your life and you should be shouting it from the rooftops what God has done is that your testimony is something amazing. You see, outrageous people understand that they have a story to tell. You know, when I was younger, so much younger than today, I'm from Liverpool, is I've grown up in church. I've seen the most incredibly incredible blessing of God. I've also seen the darkest days of church. I know what it is. You know, that whole thing of come to Jesus and become a Christian, everything will be okay, it's a load of rubbish. If anybody ever says that to you, kick them around the side of the head, in love, of course, because it's an outrageous thing to do. Just to put that caveat in there. But I've seen the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of church. When I was growing up, I used to go to youth camps, and I used to, my dad or whatever, because my, my dad's a minister as well, we would get people into our church who would tell incredible testimonies of what God's done in their life. So we'd have people that had, you know, maybe, you know, maybe been addicted to drugs, uh, and God's, you know, really delivered them from that, which is amazing. Or, or maybe somebody's been imprisoned or something really, really bad, and God's kind of met them. You understand what I'm talking about. You know, those really kind of incredible stories and testimonies that people have. Well, my testimony was boring because I've grown up in church. I haven't really been that naughty. I went off the rails when I was about 19, 20 for a couple of years. But apart from that, I've been pretty well behaved. I've never kind of been addicted to drugs or anything like that. So I started to make up my own testimony. Amazing thing to do. So at the age of 13, 14, I, I thought, if they got me out, you know, in church, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been addicted to umpteen drugs. I've been a pimp. <laughs> Murdered 27 people. But God saved me. 
the age of 13. You know what I mean? <laughs> making just making absolute rubbish up. Because I thought, listen, that if I hadn't done something extreme, that actually it wasn't very good. But I want to say to you this morning that I have been brought up in a Christian home where God has saved me from stuff that I didn't have to go through, but through the power of the blood and through him dying on the cross, I can stand here this morning knowing that God is my saviour, knowing that he loves me unconditionally, and I don't have to go through any of that rubbish, and that is an incredible testimony. Don't clap me, clap God. But you see, the thing with it is, church, is that we have lost the power of our testimony. We need to find our voices again, where where you go into work, where you go into your schools, mums, where you go into your colleges and universities, and there is something of a story we can tell, because outrageous people understand that there is something powerful about this testimony that God has done through them. Nobody can take that testimony away from you. Nobody can say, well, that didn't happen, because let me tell you, when God is in the midst, it can be used for something incredible, where actually... It says that they defeated him by the power of the blood and by your testimony. You can actually crush the enemy just through your testimony. And we need to to have an understanding this morning that when we live an outrageous life, when we live a life beyond all reason, when we live a life of extravagance, when we live a life of of unconventionalness, we have a story to tell. So I want to say to you this morning, what is your story? What has God done in your life that you can not hide under a bushel, but you can put it on a hill and you can say, God, you know what? You have been so faithful to me through the good times and the bad, and I've got a story to tell because of it. And outrageous people understand that. Number two is that outrageous people understand that that a response is better than a reaction. Oh, let me tell you. You know what? In church life, we can, we can react to so much stuff. In life, we can react to so much stuff. But God hasn't called us to react. He's called us to respond. God has called us to have a response attitude rather than a reactionary attitude. You know, there's so many times in life, and particularly in, in church life, where, you know what? Some people just get on my nose. Get up my nose. Not on my nose. We're a family. There are some people, Mark's here this morning, it's great to have Mark with me. Mark, Mark is an incredible, he knows his Bible like nobody else I know. He really gets the word and he kind of writes all our kind of stuff for connect groups and stuff like that. And when I go horribly wrong and I start preaching heresy, he comes up to me and he corrects me. And, um, but you know what, Mark's with me this morning. But there are some people in my church that just really get on my wick. I'll say it. Let me tell you, there will be people in this room now that get on each other's nerves. <laughs> oh, it's true. Who said that? <laughs> and the crowd shouted, stone him. How to win friends and influence people. Yeah, he really gets on my nerves. <laughs> but you see, the thing with it is, is that we haven't been called. Because where there's family, you know what? There's sometimes where my sister has got on my nerves. And I've chosen to react to that rather than respond. We are called in, in, in church and in Christendom not to react to situations but respond to them correctly. You imagine if, if, if in the Bible, there's an account in the Bible where another outrageous thing that happened was that Mary is sitting there just before Jesus is born. I know we're not kind of coming into Christmas but it's a great story. 
And she's there and she's sitting there on a rock or whatever, kind of knitting or whatever they did in those days. And, um, and the angel of the Lord comes down. Let's stop there for a second. Let's not carry on with the rest of the story. How many people here have seen the angel of the Lord? That would freak me out, ladies and gentlemen. Just me again. You guys are super spiritual here in Stoke. You see burning bushes. You see angels of the Lord. Man, I'm going to come and live here. Thank you, Jesus. You're seeing stuff that nobody else has seen. The angel of the Lord appears to Mary. And she speaks to her and she says, Do you know what? Mary, you're going to have a boy. You're going to have a son and you're going to call him Jesus. Emmanuel, Christ with you. Christ with us. You see, now in that moment, Mary could have done one of two things. If it was me, well, it's impossible. It couldn't have been me. <laughs> Let me tell you, that would not be just be a miracle. <laughs> that, would, that would be more than outrageous. Let me tell you, it would be medically impossible, my friend. And it, it, <laughs> I've got so many things running through my head right now. And all of them are not right in any way, shape or form. Pregnant men, do you know what I mean? Yeah, respond, don't react. But you see, the thing with it is, is that Mary's there and Mary could have reacted to the situation like probably most women in this room would have done by going, what on earth is, what? But actually she said, here I am. And she responded and ultimately she became the mother of the son of God. You see, back in Ruth, you have, a, you have a, a, a two, two women there, Orpah and Naomi and Ruth. And they're all there like this. And they're just about to go on their travels. And, and one woman, one of them says, do you know what? I'm going to kiss you and I'm going to leave. The other one says, I'm going to cling to you and I'm not going to let you go. She ended up in the lineage of Christ. Why? Because she, rea- she responded rather than a reaction. Let me tell you, church, in church life and in Christendom, we need to have an understanding that it's no good to react. And outrageous people understand that reaction is not going to get us anywhere, but a response is something. Let me tell you, those Easter eggs at the back are not a reaction, but they are a response to what you guys want to do in your community. And we need to have an understanding that in church life and, and through our lives and through our families' lives, we need to be people that respond to what God wants to do rather than react. Did you know that you cannot do everything for Stoke. If you reacted to every situation, every need, let me tell you, everybody in this place would be burnt out and ultimately there wouldn't be a church. But you can respond to certain things and say, do you know what? This is where we fit in the grander scheme of things in Stoke and this is what we can do and we see a need and we can respond to it rather than react. And outrageous people understand that a response is better than a reaction. Number three, outrageous people know, oh, this is a big one, that all that glitters is not gold. Outrageous people understand that all that glitters is not gold. In Genesis chapter 13, we have an incredible story about a guy by the name of Abram and a guy by the name of Lot. They were uncle and nephew. And they're there and they're they're having a great time together and they're going around and they're traveling and and God's kind of really blessing them. It actually says that they became the most wealthy, Abraham became the most wealthiest man in the world. Incredible. He had more goats than anybody else could have. That's wealthier. You know you're wealthy when you've got hundreds of goats. Powerful. Oh, you haven't got any goats, that's why you're poor. 
I've got, I've got 500 goats. <laughs> he was, and he's there like this. And, and what, hap- what began to happen was, and you can read it in Genesis 13. We haven't got time to go into it, but go away and read it. Is that you have two men that were getting on fine, but the herdsmen around them were beginning to argue. This is what the Bible says. So Abram takes Lot, his nephew, up onto the side of a hill. And he says to Lot, he says, Lot, he says, you choose what you want to have. He says, we're going to separate at this point. He says, you, you go and look at the land. You find which land you want. And you go and settle there. And you will have an incredible time. And that will be brilliant. And I will take the rest. Now, there's something in that about honor anyway. Because Abram should never, ever have given Lot the option. Just as a side issue. There's an honor thing going on. But Abraham gave him the option of choosing first. And he said to Lot, he said, you choose. So Lot looks over and he sees an incredible fertile land. You can read it. Genesis chapter 13. And he looks over and he, he looks at Abraham and he says, I want that one. I want that one. <laughs> the amount of people that say I look like Matt Lucas is unfair. I don't look anything like him. My PA, a few weeks ago, she did with, with my worship pastor, she got a picture. You know of, who's the guy in the, it's, it's, is it? Oh, no, one. You know the guy in the wheelchair? I'm superimposed my face on it. I classed it bullying in the workplace. <laughs> anyway. And Lot looks over and he sees this land and he says, do you know what? He says, I'm going to take that one there, please. And Abraham goes, okay, you take it. Because what it seemed to be, what it looked like, it looked like a fertile land. But the land that Lot took ended up being Sodom and Gomorrah. It became a place that was full of sin. It became a place that was uh, actually, ultimately, uninhabitable. And the thing with it is, is this church, is that we can look at something and think that it's all together. But actually, under the surface, it's a can of worms. You know what? I look at some incredible churches around the world. And uh, last year, in fact, yesterday, I've just been invited back to Dominic Yo's church. My friend Dominic Yo, he, is, uh, he has got a church of 10,000 in Singapore. This boy knows how to build church. And uh, for some strange reason, I get on really well with him. It's because he likes Liverpool and he likes to come over and watch Liverpool. And I try and get him tickets. I think that's why he likes me. But, but uh, I go to his church. And his church is 10,000 strong in the middle of Singapore in Paya Labour. And I've had the incredible privilege of preaching there before now. And, uh, and you can look at that and you can say, do you know what? That's, that's what I want. That, that looks incredible. But you know what? God has put a grace on Trinity Christian Center in Singapore for what they have. Let me tell you, God has given Breathe City Church a grace for where you are right now and what you can do in your community. We should never look at anybody else and say, do you know what? Well, I I, want to be like them or I want to be like that. No. Be yourself. Be who you can be. Because let me tell you, nobody has got it all together. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect marriage. There is no perfect friendships. Because people, well, actually, that's a lie. There is the perfect church. Did you know that? There is the perfect church. What you need to do is today, you need to go home and find the place under the stairs. Or go into a room on your own and close the door behind you. 
and don't let anybody else in, and that's the perfect church. Just you on your own. That's the perfect church, because you can't fall out with yourself. It's true. Well, sometimes you can. But we can... Nothing is perfect, and we can look at everything else, and we can see. And it's just like Lot did. Lot looked at stuff, and he said, "You know what? The, the, it, but it was a mess." You might look at other people, and you might say, "Well, I want to be like them." Don't bother doing that. Be yourself. You've been created in the image of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are an amazing creation. Look at the person next to you and say it: "I am an amazing creation." Say it now. You're amazing. You're incredible. You don't need to look at anybody else. You don't need to be like anybody else. You just need to be you. You know what? I'm at a point in my life now. I'm 38 years old. I'm 39 this year. I am extremely comfortable in my skin. That's a great place to be. Now, some of you are probably saying, you look too comfortable. But you know what I mean? (laughs) But I'm very comfortable. I don't want to try and be anybody else. I can't do it. It's, it's far too hard. It's too, too hard work. Hey, oh, man alive. Get a body and look like, you know, uh, I'm showing my age. I was going to say Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he's about 70. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, look like that old dude over there. No. You know, who wants to look like, you know, who's, who's, who, I'm so out of it now. Who, who's, who's really, somebody young? Rob. Let me tell you, I'm very comfortable with my own skin. I don't want to look anything like you. But, but who's young? You're, you, you, you work with young people. What do you mean you don't know? How relevant is your youth pastor? Who's, who's young and trendy and all the kids like to be like? Uh, well, I'd say me. Yeah. My age, Ryan Reynolds, maybe. Ryan Reynolds. Justin Bieber. <laughs> Who said Justin Bieber? Who was that there? Right there, just bear, bear with me one second. Who said, who said Justin Bieber? Don't argue amongst yourselves, girls. Excuse me. Oi, look at me when I'm talking to you. Justin Bieber, is that what you said? Yeah? Right. We're just going to stand and pray for my sister there. For the scales to fall from her eyes. Don't be like anybody else, just be yourself. Because let me tell you, all that glitters is not gold. Nobody's got it all together. Let me tell you, even the richest people in the world are some of the most unhappiest people. Do you know what? Be glad with what you've got. Be thankful and blessed. Because you know what? We live in a world at the moment that is so full of absolute rubbish. But everybody in this room right now still is in the richest 2% of people in the world. Incredible. Everybody in this room. Now, there'll be some people in this room that have less, and there'll be some people in this room that have more. But let me tell you this, we still live in a system and in a country where you are still part of the richest 2% of people in the whole entire world. So we don't need to look at anybody else and say, do you know what, I I, want to be like them, I want to aspire to be like them. No, just be yourself, because God has called you to be you. You are amazing. You've been created in the image of God, and you don't need to worry about anybody else. Be yourself. Fantastic. If you want to paint your hair purple, do it. Rob, I've got five minutes left. Number four, outrageous people spell risk, uh, spell faith, R-I-S-K, risk. Do you know what? We need to be a people that understand and be an outrageous people that understand that we need to take a few more risks. Nothing is certain. 
We need to be a people that have an understanding that we spell faith, R-I-S-K. In Numbers 13 and 14, one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite accounts in the Bible, we have a man by the name of Moses and he sends out the 12. Sends out the 12 spies. Brilliant. Brilliant story. And he's there like this and he sends out these 12 guys and they go and they have a look. And they come back. It was, it was, it was an incredible land. They were carrying around grapes on poles. That is a brilliant land. You imagine going to your local supermarket and bringing back Rob. I can keep picking on Rob because he's my mate. But you imagine going to, to, to LD or wherever you go. Where'd you go? Oh, posh. Posh. You're in the top 1%, my friend. Thank you, Jesus. And taking a grape home for Becky and going, Bex, I brought you home, not some fruit, but a fruit. And placing a massive grape on the table and going, we're going to feast off this for the next four weeks. Thank you, Jesus. Amazing. It was a, it was a land that was incredible. There was so much potential there. And Moses sent these 12 guys in to go and have a look at it. But when they came back, the spies came back. And it says at the beginning of, two, of, of chapter 14, it says this. It says, the account of the spies. The account that they brought back to Moses and 10 of those 12 said, we can't go in. Can't do it. Why? There's giants there. Huge giants. Can't go in. They'll crush us. We look like grasshoppers compared to them. And then there was two men. Joshua and Caleb. They come back and they say these words. Do you know what? There are giants in the land. But we most certainly can. We can go in there. There was a risk involved. Of course there was. But they understood their, their God was greater. Their God was more powerful. Their God was on their side. And actually when they moved into it, they knew that God would be with them. There was faith attached to it, but it was a risk. And outrageous people understand that, fa that faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Let me tell you, some of you guys in this room need to step out of the boat again. And begin to believe God for the things that, that actually you, you, you find it Difficult to believe in, but take a risk. Some of you have got dreams and desires that you've had hidden in your heart and you've let them die. It's time to resurrect them this morning and take a little bit of a risk and say, do you know what? I'm, I want to do this. S sit down and speak to Paul and say, do you know what? Yeah, I, I believe in this. And if it fits in with the vision of this house, I'm sure that, that Paul will be going, yeah, let, let's run with this thing. Why? Because we need more people that have an understanding that we just need to have a little bit of a go. We've just done something at our church. We've just gone to two services last week. So this morning, let me tell you, before at, at, at half past eight this morning, there was 30 people standing in a room praying for you this morning. Incredible. Praying for you. And for me. Praying for you that you would receive me because they know what I'm like. They get this every week. God help them. <laughs> You see, the thing with it is, is this church is that we've just gone to two services. Did we need to do it? Really? No, we didn't. But you know what? I believe that we need to give people more options in church life. So we've taken a little bit of a risk. We've stepped out in faith and said, God, you know what? You are drawn. I believe that God is drawn to empty space. If we create space, he will actually, he, he, he will fill it. So we've created space for God to be able to do something. 
And, uh, and it's a little bit of a, a faith venture. It's a little bit of a risk. But you know what? I believe that God will come through with his faithfulness. I really do believe it. Because as, as Paul said before, you know, God's, all, all God's interested in is our hearts. All God's interested in, he, all he wants is your heart. He doesn't want anything else. But this is where everything flows out of. And we need to be aware of that. Number five, and we're going to close with this. Where's my friend on the keyboard? Just means, if you come up, people will think I'm finishing. <laughs> I was in a meeting. I was in a meeting a while ago. I wasn't preaching this message. But, but I, got, I got, the, uh, got the keyboard player up. And I said to him what I said to you before. I said, oh, I said, you know, just play something. Twinkle, twinkle, little star or something. And he flipping well did. How to create atmosphere, twinkle, twinkle, little. I'm like, Dad, how's that going to work? Let me tell you this. By the way, just because I've stopped for a second doesn't mean God's left the room. We think that. Like, we're just going to usher in. You can start playing, my friend. Look, there you go. The Spirit of God has just moved into the room. <laughs> we're your heads testing. God's been here all the way through. And he'll continue to be here after we leave. But let me tell you this, is that I totally believe that God wants to do something in this place this morning. My time has gone. Fifth point is this, outrageous people, oh, listen to this, they have a different spirit. God has called you to have a different spirit. You see, when we look back at the life of Joshua and Caleb, there's something incredible if we look back at their lives. You see, what did I say that right at the very beginning is that outrageous people have a story to tell. Do you think that those two boys had a story to tell in years to come about the goodness and the faithfulness of God when they moved into the promised land? Of course they did. Do you think that actually, that, that, that when, they, when they understood, that actually if they'd reacted like the rest of the ten, let me tell you, they'd have never gone in. They responded to something that God was doing on the inside of them and they were able to see God do something incredible. It was an outrageous spirit. It was a different spirit. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that Caleb had a different spirit. You see, the thing with it is, is this, is that do you think that actually they, they looked at the land and they thought, you know what, all that glitters is not gold. Of course they did. They saw the giants. They saw the stuff that was going on. But actually they had an understanding that if my God is for me, who can be against me? There was something of an outrageous spirit that was in their hearts where they said, do you know what, we're going to go for this. Even when though it doesn't look right, even though it doesn't look the very best because there's giants in the land, I believe, and, 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 and that's what they said, is that actually we can go in there and see something great established. And ultimately, Joshua and Caleb, they spelt faith, R-I-S-K. They went in, taking a risk. I want to ask you a question this morning. Breathe City Church. You have an incredible heritage. You do. This church has been founded, the foundations of this church were founded by people who wanted to glorify God. This build, building was built to the glory of God. You have an incredible heritage. But it's time to take some risks again. It's time to step out of the boat and start believing in the God that already believes in you. You see, you have been made in the image of God. And you can look at the land and you can look at the situations and circumstances in your own life and you can say, do you know what? It's too big. I can never get over it. I can never be everything that you've called me to be, God. Well, I can't be like them. No, be yourself. 
and begin to be an unconventional, uncompromising, sometimes extravagant Christian that is actually outrageous for him and begin to pray some outrageous prayers. Why can't God see your family saved? Why can't situations be turned around by the power of God with one prayer? Why can't actually you put money in the offering basket when you don't have anything else left and next time you look in your bank, there's money there. Don't tell me it doesn't happen because it does. We just need to be a little bit more outrageous. We just need to have a a, a faith that lifts with insiders where actually we begin to believe the Bible. Where we actually begin to believe what the Bible says. Where the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That actually we can cast all our cares onto him. Why? Because he cares for us. And we can actually begin to believe God for everything that he has for us. Hey, my time has gone. I'm so sorry. I want to pray. Can everybody bow their heads and close their eyes for a second? God's here. God is here. If anything I've said has spoken to you this morning, I want you to do something really, really quickly for me. I'm not going to rush this appeal, but what I am going to do, you see, I believe in a verdict. I believe that actually there has to be a response from us when the Word of God is preached. So if that's you this morning, you say, Aaron, do you know what? I want to be a person that lives an outrageous life. Maybe my circumstances are not not saying so, but I'm going to begin to believe. And I'm going to say, yep, I'm going to stand up and be the man or woman of God that God has called me to be. On the count of three, I want you to stand where you are right now. One, two, three. Very, very quickly, people all over this place are standing. Lord Jesus, just before Just before Steve Jobs died, he addressed every single Apple employee. He did it via Skype or FaceTime or whatever. But he sent a message to all of the employees across the world. And this is what he said. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers... The round pegs and the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and you can't quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them, but the one thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward and while some may see them as crazy ones, we see genius. Because the ones who are outrageous enough to think that they can change the world are the ones that usually do. You see, God has called you to live an outrageous life. God has called you to be somebody that actually can change Stoke, can change the surrounding areas for the good. And I believe this morning that God wants to do that. I want everybody to close their their eyes and bow their heads. I want you to do something for me. I want you to put your hands out in front of you if you're about to receive a present. Everybody that's standing. And we're going to pray. My time has gone. Lord Jesus, I pray. Father, I thank you 
for each and every person that is standing here this morning that is saying, do you know what? I want to be an outrageous Christian. I want to be somebody who understands that the power of my testimony is something incredible. That I'm going to react to situations no more. But I'm going to be a person that responds in the correct way. I'm going to be somebody that doesn't look and judge everybody else and think that they've got it all together because all that glitters is not gold. That I'm going to be a person that has an understanding that actually I can begin to step into a realm of faith through actually taking a couple of risks and be everything that God has called me to be. And ultimately, Father God, I want to be a person of a different spirit. And in the name of Jesus, right now I pray that God, that you will speak to every man and every woman, every young person and every student, that God, that they will receive something from you this morning. And that God, that they will walk out of here having an understanding that they can be an outrageous Christian. And that people will see a difference.